Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. Do we everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mintel, my husband, Norm. And as you know, every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and as always, we're just so glad you joined us. We love the weekend, don't we? We do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Most people love the weekend. I think so. We live for the weekend. There are songs written about that. <laughs> Today we're talking about something we know we're supposed to do but often find it hard, if not impossible. Are you ready? Drumbeat? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Forgiveness. Yeah, and we're especially going to talk about how to forgive when you think you really can't, Norm. So we're going to tackle the tough parts of forgiveness here. And we know what Scripture tells us about forgiveness, but we're going to review a few verses just to remind ourselves before we get into the process of how you do this. I like that. Let's do the Bible stuff right away. We know we're supposed to forgive others because we have been forgiven by Christ. With Jesus, we always get to start over. But we are to extend grace to others just like he extended grace to us. What we're going to give you are biblical prescriptions, not suggestions. That's right. And Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Hmm. In Luke 6.37, Jesus said, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. That's pretty clear. Yeah, and we're actually going to do a show on that whole judgment piece. We're, we have a we have a great idea for a show on that one. So stay tuned on that. Well, here's Ephesians four thirty one thirty two. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And here's the part we're focusing on: forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6 said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, I don't even like to read this, your Father will not forgive your sins. Yeah, that's pretty... That's That's so straightforward. It is. I guess the point is forgiveness is a command... Not an option. It's not a, yeah, it's not, it's not a suggestion. Right. Like I said, it's really not. Right. For the believer. We're talking about for believers. Exactly. Good point. And we are to repeatedly forgive. In Luke 17, Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you have to forgive them. Jesus, who was beaten for us, abused for us, treated unfairly for us, the victim of injustice while he was fully man here on earth, said these things. That's right. But it could be one of the hardest things that you ever do. Agreed. Depending on what has happened to you, right? right? right. The pain and the hurt others cause is very real uh, and sometimes very grave. However, 
the pain of living with bitterness and unforgiveness can poison our soul, and it can actually destroy us, Norm. And I'm sure there are mental benefits as well as spiritual ones. Yes. Researchers have shown that when you practice forgiveness, your anxiety and your depression lessens, you feel more hopeful and empowered, you're less likely to hurt other people. That was a really interesting one. Um, it's good for your heart, immune system, and you get better sleep. <laughs> All the benefits, right? right? Health, mental health. Man. Well, you wrote a book a while ago, Pocket Size, the small book. It was really cool, Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness. And I know that was a bestseller, hundreds of thousands of copies. It's the price of a cup of coffee. That's right. <laughs> and it has a section in the back on forgiveness. It's available for our listeners on Amazon or your website, drlindamental.com, if anyone needs to get an extra bit of help with anger and unforgiveness. And before we get into this in more depth, it's really important for us to say forgiveness doesn't mean you forget what happened mm-hmm. or that you condone it. Because you choose to forgive means you do not condone what has happened. Right? You'd have to be upset about it in order to forgive it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Clearly you were hurt. Right. But rather what you're doing is you're releasing those people to God and not allowing unforgiveness to destroy you. And forgiveness is something you can do yourself. It's not the same as reconciliation. We need to say that as well. That takes two people. That's right. It's also not immediate for most people, which is why we are going to provide a process to go through for forgiveness. It's not denial or opening yourself up for hurt again either. Hmm. Okay, so let's start. Give us a good definition of forgiveness. There's been a hurt and someone has violated your sense of right and wrong. Well, this definition comes from one of the leading researchers in the country. Actually, he might be the leading researcher, and he's also internationally known. His name is Dr. Robert Enright. He is at the University of Wisconsin, and he says, and he's a Christian, too. I want to add that for our audience. He says, and I love this definition. I used it in several of the books that I've written. Interpersonal forgiveness is a willingness to abandon one's right to resentment. Just think on that phrase, Hmm. a willingness to abandon your right to resentment, to negative judgment, and indifferent behavior towards one who unjustly injured you Mm -hmm. while fostering the undeserved qualities of compassion, generosity, and even love towards that person. So the idea seems to be giving up your right. Yes. We hold this right. (laughs) We hold this right to be self-evident, but we think we can do it, to resent and that's very, very countercultural. Our culture has taken a turn on the need for forgiveness. For example, when the relatives of the nine African Americans who were killed in that church, remember that in South mm-hmm. Carolina a few mm-hmm. years ago? Horrible. Someone told the shooter, I forgive you. A Washington Post opinion piece by Stacey Panton ran this headline Black Americans should stop forgiving white racists. The culture doesn't agree with this. I know. Because it's, it's countercultural, like you said. And Pastor Tim Keller commented on this change in the cultural attitude that we're seeing, and he, he thinks it's dangerous, citing several reasons for this shift away from a biblical approach to forgiveness. His concern is that we are more concerned about our personal identity than community. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness and reconciliation do foster and maintain community. What we see more and more, it seems to me, in the culture is religion without grace. Rising is a culture of shame and honor of victimhood. More of the focus is on those who are oppressed not to forgive. The focus is on punishing and canceling people, not forgiving or extending grace. So no wonder we have so much brokenness. Oh, yeah. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness, resentment, 
and retaliation, which we're seeing daily, as you're pointing out, Keller says our culture is losing the resources for forgiveness and reconciliation. And I would guess in that, you know, he means the church and the influence the church has over, you know, the way the culture responds, this moral value that we have. The church has to keep this sacred value alive, he said. It is how Christ taught us to live. I wonder why we've lost that. (laughs) Martin Luther King Jr. wrote, He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power of love. We can never say, I will forgive you, but I won't have anything further to do with you. Forgiveness means reconciliation and coming together again. Those are challenging words, and they're in line with Scripture. I know. I'm just thinking as people are listening to this, they're probably thinking, well, but what happened to me? Right. You know, right. you don't understand. You don't know. Right. Yeah, and we're trying to give you a biblical perspective on this and then a process that will bring you to healing. But we do need to say that human rights and the benevolence to the poor and social justice have deep roots in the Bible. Absolutely. So we're not saying that social justice and righteousness at times is not needed. So we are not saying you should not acknowledge the deep wounding. Rather, we are talking about how Christ calls us to handle the brokenness of the world. We ground our values in the sacred, which is often countercultural. Secular culture does not handle suffering the way Christians do. We saw that with the Amish as well when a murderer shot 10 children in their schoolhouse. That community forgave the shooter to the amazement of many in our society. Yes, this is countercultural, but are we called to please our culture or Jesus? And you asked a, a, a second ago about why are we losing this focus in the, in the value and the culture. And I do think that has a whole lot to do with taking Christianity out of so many aspects of the culture, including the public schools. This is not a moral value that is taught anymore. You know, Dr. Enright has spent his entire academic career, Norm, researching the positive effects of forgiveness on people and their communities. He founded the International Forgiveness Institute in 1994 and has dedicated his life to help people and groups of warring people understand what forgiveness is and is not. Hmm. Well, you actually did a study recently with him and and some others on the impact of college students who weekly practice forgiveness to see how it impacts their mental health and well-being. Yeah, we haven't finished analyzing the data yet, but we anticipate finding it improves well-being, as this has been the case with a lot of other groups of people when they added forgiveness to their, their daily life. But he describes forgiveness as a moral virtue, as we've been talking about, and does say forgiveness lives side by side with seeking fairness. Hmm. Well, we certainly all need to be forgiven at some point in our lives, but it seems like there are some things easier to forgive and others almost impossible. Let's talk more about those times. You know, you found an incredible story, and I don't know how someone did it. Yeah, this is just one of many stories that I read, but this one comes from the Daily Mail. Sandra Walker, a mother of two, lost her husband in a car accident that also caused her to have a life-changing brain injury. At the trial for the accident, in her court statement, Walker said she sympathized with the woman who crashed into them, who herself lost a child in the accident, and gave her a big hug and said, I know she's going through as much pain as I'm feeling. I wanted to know, I wanted her to know that I forgave her for what she did. And we know there are hundreds, maybe thousands of stories like this. People who could hate and harbor bitterness and anger toward those who caused them harm, loss, hurt, 
but they chose instead to forgive. So what even makes that possible? That's our conversation today. How do you work through the forgiveness process? You know, first we need to recognize that every day just doing life, we experience injustices, and they can hit us hard. We haven't done anything wrong many of those times, but things happen, and we need to heal from those things or we will get stuck. Mm. Healing from a grave injustice is difficult, but I'm sure it takes time and is often a long process. So when we come back, we're going to walk you through the process of forgiving, even when it's hard to do. Everyone worries, don't they? Well, just listen to the nightly news or read the economic forecast or even talk to your family. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel. Opportunities to worry present themselves many times during our day. So why would God tell us not to worry when it almost seems like it's impossible? First, he knows the physical damage worry does to our bodies. Second, he wants to calm us down by taking the burden of control away from us. Hey, we don't have control. No matter how much we think we do, he does. And third, he wants us to trust him. The root of worry is doubting God. Doubt is not trusting that God is who he says he is, or he will do what he says he will do. So every day, take your worries to God. Rehearse his goodness, accept his grace, and walk in the confidence that he is in control and he's working all things for your good. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. And just a reminder, you can follow Dr. Linda on her social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram, at drlindamental, and Facebook, Dr. Linda Mental, author and speaker. You can also listen to our podcast on myfaithradio.com or on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes. Just search Dr. Linda Mental Podcast or go to myfaithradio.com. You know, I'm not on TikTok. You're not, well, we have to do something about that. Maybe we can get oh Katie goodness. to help us. I know. I, I just, I can hardly keep up with all these platforms to begin with. I am a working professional. So I don't know. People must sit around and do they have people who always do those for them? Yeah. I think Katie's so. shaking her yeah. head. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have people. We no. just have Katie. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have people. People plural. She's laughing. We have I one mean people. That. I we have mean, one people. That's right. I didn't mean that to be <laughs> any kind of a dig. We're so grateful for Katie and what we she are. does. Yeah. Well, to remind us before the break, we promised we would give the process of forgiving. When it's very hard to do. Where do we start? Well, remember, this is a model by that leading forgiveness researcher, Dr. Robert Enright. And just a reminder, he is a Christian. And he says that to have goodness towards that person who hurt us is even stronger than the injustice against us. Hmm. So Hmm. that's a pretty powerful Hmm. statement. And when we do the process of forgiveness, Norm, we realize how strong we are. He says we can actually stand in goodness and love when we're being slammed by the injustices of life. Wow. He adds that forgiveness helps us stand up and move forward with wonderful meaning so that life will not defeat us. He also gives us a pathway to do this. This is from Dr. Enright's book, Forgiveness is a Choice. That's right. He begins with preliminary questions to ask yourself if you've been treated unfairly, if you've been hurt, or you've been the victim of some injustice. So these are the questions. Okay. Just start to think about this when you're right. getting ready for the process of forgiveness. Who hurt you? How deeply were you hurt? On what specific incident will you focus? So he wants you to start thinking of something very specific. What were the circumstances at the time? Was it morning, 
or afternoon, cloudy or sunny? Was it what was said? How did you respond? So you get the idea. He's mm-hmm. telling you to pick an incident and get very specific. Start thinking about all the details around that incident. So then you move into the first phase after you've done the preliminaries. That's right. Then you move into phase one, uncovering your anger. How exactly were you wronged and how has it affected your life or relationship? This uncovering phase means confronting rather than avoiding what has happened and what is it that you're feeling. The goal is to be as objective as possible. One cannot begin to forgive unless they truly understand the events that triggered their hurt. Mm, That makes sense. So being honest and asking yourself questions like, how have I avoided dealing with anger? Have I faced my anger? Am I afraid to expose shame or guilt? Has my anger affected my health? Have I been obsessed about the injury or the offender? Wow, that's hard not to do. Yeah, that's because a lot of people do <laughs> continue to think about the person the who person, hurt them. Right. Yeah, that's and probably hard. more than the event. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. Do I compare my situation with that of the offender? Has the injury caused a permanent change in my life? Has the injury changed my worldview? Man, those are important. Those are really important questions. So during that phase, what's happening is you become aware of your emotional pain. And you might feel anger. You might even feel hatred. It might feel distressing, but you are bringing these negative emotions out into the open so that healing can actually begin. It's really about clarifying the nature of the offense and the consequences of having been offended. Uh-huh. You know, very recently, we had a terrible tragedy here at the university where I teach. A student was driving back to the dorm at night, stopped at a light, and he was stopped at a light. A drunk driver slammed into him from behind. His car caught fire. He was trapped inside and died. Mm. The drunk driver then did a hit and run and took off, but eventually hit a pole down the road and the police arrested him. It's just just a horrible story, and I, I can't imagine telling his mother what happened. So now in this phase of forgiveness, and continue to pray for that family, even if you don't know them. No, of course. I mean, they need a lot of prayer. But now in this phase of forgiveness, one cannot forgive the abuse, or in this case, even the drunk driving offense. Mm -hmm. But listen to the difference. You're not really excusing the drunk driver and what they did, or the offense of, you know, killing someone. But you can forgive the emotional pain, the distress, and the loss experience because your loved one was victimized or, in this case, killed. Does that make sense, that difference? I, it, it feels subtle, but it's incredibly important, I yeah. think. In this phase, you realize the connection of not forgiving with various physical and or psychological difficulties that can come when you continue to have anger that's repressed. Mm. That's really not a good idea Mm -hmm. to repress your anger. In therapy, Norm, there's a lot of working through the layers of pain and even coming to terms with our views about justice and God. Because the first thing our daughter asked us, who is a, a Christian who was a student at a university, said... Why didn't God stop that drunk driver or move that drunk driver out of the way? And, of course, we just don't have answers for those type of questions. I suppose that in these kind of cases, when we don't have answers, it's certainly much easier to blame God. Yeah, and it messes with your worldview and how you think about God. Sure, sure. All right, phase two then involves deciding to forgive. And this is when you actively decide to begin that process of forgiveness. As Dr. Enright stresses, forgiveness must be a free choice that someone arrives at on their own. 
Sometimes people choose to forgive because they realize that being angry and resentful isn't helping them anymore. And then forgiveness becomes a real possibility for some type of positive outcome. Hmm. Sounds similar to the 12-step model. Mm. You know, those they say you need to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah, that's true. So perhaps we have to decide that what we have been or have been doing hasn't worked. We have to be willing to begin the forgiveness process. This is a hard one. We have to decide to forgive. Yeah, it really becomes a choice. Mm-hmm. And I know some people argue against that, but this is the model that seems to work. You realize that hanging on to that hurt, that injustice is causing you to suffer. If you want to heal, that's why we're saying choose forgiveness. Mm. This decision is a healing step. Right. And then we begin the work on phase three, working on forgiveness. Again, this doesn't mean excusing an offender or necessarily reconciling with that offender. Rather, it means trying to better understand an offender from a more objective standpoint, to understand the motivations or the context that may have contributed towards their wrongdoing. So we're trying to get some understanding. Again, not to excuse. I want to make that point. When you do this, you are more likely to see the offender as human rather than just some evil force. And that is really vital for recognizing a person is a person. There's humanity involved. Mm -hmm. Because when there's humanity involved, Norm, that's when we offer compassion and even empathy at times. In this phase, you not only accept the pain of what's happened, but you begin to let go of resentment so as to offer the offender the gift of mercy. Wow. And you bear the pain of what happened, and you choose not to pass that injury on to others. This is so challenging, man. You're saying to see the person as human, not as evil. And I think we see them as evil incarnate too often. I would think you need the power of the Holy Spirit. I know you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that and to make that heart change of goodness toward another person who hurt you. I agree. I think this is really hard to do without the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you because this requires an empathy and compassion to someone who has wronged you. Right. And certainly the model of Jesus on the cross. Oh, my goodness. Asking God to forgive those who tortured and abused him despite all of those unspeakable things they did to him. So the goodwill to be offered must also take into consideration current issues of trust and safety in the relationship between the individual and the person injured. I want to make that point, that if there isn't trust there, then Mm -hmm. the reconciliation is not going to be a given. And in fact, sometimes reconciliation doesn't happen. But you can forgive. That's an individual act, like you said, and reconciliation takes two. So work towards an understanding, work towards compassion, Accept the pain that you have and give the offender a gift. And this phase cannot be rushed and it cannot be demanded by anybody else. So somebody can't come up to you and say, you must do this. Right. No, I like what you just said. It's a gift. Yeah. It's a gift. The final phase, phase four, is discovery and release from emotional prison. That sounds like a great outcome if it can happen. Well, it can once you do this process. So once you've gone through the work of forgiving... You will see the release of negative emotions and distress, and you can now draw meaning from your suffering, and you see the personal freedom that comes with forgiveness. You get freed, and in turn, you may also realize how you, too, are in need of forgiveness from other people. Sure, and I would think that in this deepening phase, you may also see the offender needing to do this same kind of work. Yeah, that's not part of your healing process, but it is an outcome that would be very meaningful, and it does happen. 
Offenders who want to be forgiven must confront the nature of their offense, uncover their own guilt and shame, face the past and present consequences, including psychological consequences a lot of times of their offense, both for themselves and for the people that they have hurt. That's how they get healing, too. Dr. Enright gives 20 steps in his book, Forgiveness is a Choice. So if you need more help and more specifics in this process, we recommend the book to you very highly. Yeah, this model recognizes our religious mandate that to flourish spiritually, we need to give or request and receive forgiveness. But this model also offers guidance for anyone who wants to get unstuck from unforgiveness. It's based on mercy, generosity, and love. So if you get stuck... Remember, the grieving and forgiving processes are two sides of the same coin. Mm. In that feeling and dealing with our past unmet needs, unhealed hurts, unresolved feelings, all those always require taking care of yourself while you do the work in this process. So powerful, yet so challenging. How about we end with a prayer by Mary Sutherland? Father, please forgive me when I allow anger and bitterness to fill my heart because I refuse to forgive someone who has hurt me. Teach me how to lay down my rights and choose to forgive in the same way you have forgiven me. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mintel, who makes this show a conversation, and to our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.